When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the Tech Sideline podcast. I'm your host, Will Stewart, the founder and general manager of Tech Sideline. Our regular host, Evan Hughes, is still on Christmas break. I saw him on Saturday, though. Was He was doing wrestling, right? Yeah. Yeah. Saw yeah. him in Castle before the game. Which went very well. Before the match, yeah. Tech beat yeah. WVU 36-3. Well, so what they call it, the... Uh, oh, I can't remember what they call it. The Black Diamond Brawl. Something, something like that. Like, yeah, what yeah, much of a brawl cool. was it? <laughs> So this is uh, um, Evan should be back. I think he's going to be back Saturday mm-hmm. for the Syracuse basketball game, and and then he'll be back for a podcast recording starting next Monday. Um, so this is episode one hundred eight of the TSL podcast, and we're recording on the morning of Monday, January thirteenth, twenty twenty. Everybody wish Malcolm a happy birthday. He had his birthday on Saturday, last Saturday, January eleventh, and turned twenty one. And I had the the well, I will call it a privilege, the pleasure of going out and having a legal beer with my son. Yeah. So that, that was kind of cool. Uh, today we're going to talk about Dalton Keene's decision to turn pro, um, the transfer of Raheem. Blackshear Raheem, right? Not Raheem. Raheem. Chris Raheem. Yeah. Chris yeah. says, uh, yeah. From Rutgers to Virginia Tech. And, of course, Virginia Tech basketball. The Hokies had a couple of, I would call one of them a big win at Syracuse last week. Mm-hmm. And a home win over um, NC State was a good win. Um, so 2-0 last week. Now, whether you're watching live on Facebook or listening or watching archived on SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube, or anywhere else you access the TSL podcast, because there's all kinds of ways you can get to us, we're pleased to have you join us. As usual, I've got with me today on set, managing editor uh, Chris Coleman, and behind the scenes, we've got producer Malcolm Stewart. Um, Malcolm's put together a new uh, view today since since oh. you since you and I are across from each other he's got this little view he's going to do where I saw I saw he, that where we're right next to each other yeah he, he chops it up and we'll, we'll be see. we'll be looking facing right next to each other so he's he's experimenting around with things a little bit as always the TSL podcast is sponsored by the Fisher Law Firm the Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic related offenses from their office in Blacksburg they're able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia and we can vouch for that. Jonathan was on the show the other day, and he is a road warrior. He will travel anywhere. Whether you're charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031 or email info at fisherlegal.com. And we had uh, we had Jonathan on the last episode of the TSL podcast, episode one hundred and seven. So look it up. Um, it was it was really fun. It uh, flowed really well. I yeah, yeah. I was really uh, uh, I was 
nervous about having a sponsor on because I know Jonathan, but you never know how people are going to do when you mm-hmm. stick a mic in their face, you know, and you turn on all these lights and you get the guy over there with the cameras and stuff. But we, we had a lot of fun. We were just talking about all kinds of stuff, some road trips he'd been on to uh, Virginia Tech football. And, and it was all, it was also interesting to talk to him about his practice. And I got a couple of really nice emails um, I, I'll just I'll just flat say it. One person emailed me and said it was really nice to learn how he the professionalism with which he approaches his practice and that he's not just an ambulance chaser. Right. So so I agree with that. It, it was um, it's always interesting to me to talk to people about their careers and their businesses because I'm very business oriented. You know how how can we make this work? How how can we keep this going? So the thought processes that people go through are interesting. So thank Jonathan for being on. And uh, he's the kind of guy I think we could have him on some more, you know, and, and he, he emailed me over the weekend and expressed an interest in writing some stuff for the site. So, uh, you know, from a from Any, a sponsorship standpoint, that's gold, that's right? That's gold, right. <laughs> Anytime we can talk about 1990s era football, I'm down. I yeah. swear I remember some of that stuff better than I do what happened six weeks since ago, then right? yeah um and so i also traded emails with chris colston who used to be the hokey huddler uh-huh. editor um and has written several books on virginia tech football and we gotta have colston on here um uh so you know jonathan said uh he said something like in his email he said something to me about um i'm i'm a good writer uh good good at composition all that sort of stuff and he was a history major just like you and that's one of the things about when when we hired you to work on tech sideline you already knew how to write you already knew how to put that's long the, form that's pieces the thing together. about being a history major that it taught me how to write I, I know i've learned more about history on my own easily than i did by going to school but learning how to write is a whole different thing yeah you had to write a whole lot of papers and yeah. stuff like that um so anyway we'll, we'll move on from that First, uh, so little. Uh, let's do a couple fun things. A little uh, TSL podcast trivia. Did you know that I have shoes that I only wear on the TSL podcast? I did know that. Yeah, and this yeah. is this is this is one pair. Um, uh, when you do one or two shows a week, you you quickly run out of things to wear and shoes to wear. And right. I got a buddy, uh, my my buddy Jeff McMillian, and Jeff's always commenting on the shoes I'm wearing. So so I went out and I, I bought some podcast only shoes just just for Jeff. You know. Uh, tech does have a fashion department. Maybe we need an intern like uh, to to dress us, basically, for the podcast. Well, so I was sitting here <laughs> thinking one of the sponsors of, of Tech Sideline is Campus Emporium, and mm-hmm. we're always doing featured items for Campus Emporium. What is wrong with me? Why am I not going down to their shop and saying, hey, give me the gear. I'll wear it on the show and that's promote a, it on the show. Now they got to pay extra for that because Jonathan pays extra for being on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um I just, you know, as, as as much as I sit around and think about this business all the time, every once in a while I have these little that epiphanies. That was right in front like, of your face. Yeah, like that's it. low-hanging fruit provided yeah. Campus Emporium has the extra budget. Man, that, that would be cool because we've got this, this visual medium now. Mm-hmm. You know, we could put – and if the featured item was not a uh, – um, uh, an article of clothing, whatever it is, we can put it on the desk in front of us, like we did with the. Uh, remember when we had the little black uh, lunch pail helmet? Oh yeah, yeah. Which Malcolm? Oh no, oh, there, there it is. is. It's right up there. I don't think. Can't. Whoops. Uh, Excuse me. Elbow in the mic. So, these are not at Campus Emporium anymore, by the way. As you can imagine, they sold out quickly, and we were so hoping they'd wear this for the bowl game. Oh yeah, it's probably a good thing they didn't. Right. Every every time I think about wearing sponsorships, I think of that scene from Wayne's World when. They're doing the advertising, and Garth is wearing all the Adidas stuff, and he's like, it's like people only do things because they get paid. Because <laughs> they get paid, and he's eating Domino's pizza and holding the box up yeah. and drinking a Coke. 
Oh, man. Some people just got some free advertising. Yep. All right. So we'll start with Dalton Keene. Dalton Keene, uh, true junior, just finished his true junior year. Yep. Tight end. Uh, um, announced that he is turning pro. And there, there are some facets to this, which we'll get into. But let me read Dalton's announcement. And, you know, in, in this day and age where you're, you're covering stuff so much, here we go. We're going to start parsing words. We're going we're gonna to drill right down into the essence of everything. So here's his announcement. After a lot of consideration over the past couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, I've decided to forego my senior year of eligibility and declare for the NFL draft. This was a very difficult decision, and it is with a heavy heart that I leave my teammates and coaches. And fans, Dalton, fans, you're leaving the fans too. Um, I want to thank everyone that has helped me get to this point, including, notice the order, Coach Fuente, Coach Shebest, and Coach Wiles. But most importantly, my family and teammates who I could rely on, and fans. I added that. (laughs) Something special is building in Blacksburg, and I wish I could be part of it, but this is the best decision for me at this time. Lastly, thank you, Hokie Nation. There you go. For all the love and support you've shown me over the last couple of years. And indeed, he's been one of the more popular players. No doubt. Um, with the, the hair and the... Rambo. And he had a mustache for a while, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no doubt. you know, he, he's just been a really cool guy, too, uh, that, that, that tech fans have uh, um, glommed onto or attached themselves to. They really like him. So, um, this announcement, I would call this unexpected. Well, we said there was going to be unexpected attrition, yeah. right? Because there always is. Yeah, I didn't Dalton think it would be unexpected attrition would be Dalton Keene, though. Dalton Keene, I know, I know. Um, so uh, let's let's pick this apart. Uh, um, the, immediately, there was speculation that this was related to the uh, um, letting Charlie Wiles go, not renewing Charlie Wiles' contract. Right. So for those who don't know the connection, go ahead and uh, – well. Dalton Keene's father and Charlie Wiles were college roommates at Murray State Yeah, uh, under Frank Beamer. When Frank was head coach? I guess head coach. Probably. And Bud was a Bud was in there somewhere, whether yeah. he was coaching or playing at that point. Uh, I guess he was coaching. I think he was so, coaching. I think Charlie there, is. Yeah. Somebody even told me that uh, Wiles is Dalton's godfather. Right. Um, so that's a very, very close relationship. And, that, and that's how they got Dalton Keene out of yes. Colorado. That, that to, connection. Come all the way over to Blacksburg. Trust me, if you look at the history of Virginia Tech football recruiting, there's not a lot of players from Colorado. From Colorado. Yeah. Um, so people immediately started uh, um, speculating that the Keene family is, is angry that Charlie got uh, let go. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I even heard that they were ticked that Charlie had been let go. Yes. But, I mean, you got to sit and think about this. Um, this is a major decision mm-hmm. for this player. Um, yes, I'm sure the Keene family is disappointed that Charlie um, Charlie's contract wasn't renewed. Uh, but you don't make life-changing decisions, do you, based on that kind of thing? Uh, you know, it took him a couple of weeks to make the decision, and I, I don't think you make – a rash decision is something you decide to do spur of the moment, Yeah. right? He had several weeks to think about it, and obviously he did think about it. I do. It wouldn't shock me if if the the Wiles news pushed him into exploring the possibility. Started the thought process. Started the thought process. Exactly. When I when I got the text message last Wednesday night, it was from somebody and said, "Have you heard anything about Dalton Keene?" Said no. You're like, I'm what? Not, Did he get I, in trouble? I, right. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to check anything. their arrest records. Right. Right. Uh, 
Sorry, I didn't mean to insult you, doll. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so he said, no, here's what here's the deal. Basically, that him and his dad are mad about the Lyle situation. So he's look, he's thinking about declaring for the NFL draft. Yeah. And that's what I was told before the declaration happened. Now, he came out on Twitter and and. And a later statement that was I've a got response. That. Let me read okay. that. Yeah. So somebody said, "Oh, I bet this has something to do with Charlie Wiles being let go." And mm-hmm. Dalton responded, "Not the case at all. Of course, I was disappointed about Coach Wiles. That had nothing to do with my decision. I'm just doing what I think is best for me as a player. I have nothing but love for Coach Fuente and the rest of the coaching staff." Right. Um, so, so he, go he handled that properly. Yeah. Um, that's that's what you say, whether it's true or not. Um, yeah. But I'll take him at his word. Yeah, uh, I, I think we have no reason not to. Yeah, um, when, when it comes down to it, I, I think Keen is going to be in that five to seven round range. Yeah, and I don't probably don't think that was going to change over the course of another year. Yeah, and and I think these days guys are based the, the way guys view it these days is, you know, the, there's just so many injuries in, in football these days that if you have a ch- if you if you can't improve your stock. You better go ahead and do it while you can before you get hurt. I and mean, I was watching the Seahawks-Packers game yesterday, and the Seahawks' top three running backs are all in the injured reserve. Hmm. I, I mean, it, that's so, a brutal I, position. I, I don't know why the NFL st- has not expanded their rosters, right? Because I mean, with so many guys hurt these days, they really need to have you know sixty men on rosters. It's funny that the NFLPA has not in in the past five or ten years ten years really ramped up the negotiation right. on that part of it. Yeah, you know, and and you have to negotiate that. You can't just go to the owners and say, you know, we want sixty five players instead of fifty four or whatever it is. That that costs money. Yeah, you know, so. um, you know, so they had to go out and sign Marshawn Lynch off the scrap heap off the couch. Wow. Uh, you know, he hadn't played football in 14 months, and they signed him like three or four weeks ago. Wow. Um, because all their running backs are hurt. So this this reminds me of the discussion when uh, Isaiah Ford decided to go pro early. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't uh, – he probably wasn't projected particularly high. Then he went mm-hmm. to the combine, and he's, he's not an elite worse, athlete. Yeah. But the discussion was it's not like Isaiah Ford's going to get any better Correct. with another year. Correct. Some guys, some guys, if they're really good athletes but not particularly good football players yet – they uh that they could help themselves out like like, like Bucky Bucky really, exactly really Bu- could Bucky have, could have helped himself out yeah. if he had come back and, and developed some more football skills yeah um he chose not to do that um but but yeah if you're one of those guys who your athleticism you know is is mediocre but you're already a really 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 good football player you're probably not going to help your stock all that much because yeah. three years out of high school how much is your athleticism really going to improve. It's yeah, not none really. And, you are who you are at that point. Yeah, if you look at Dalton Keene, uh, um, he's really not going to uh, become a better football player. He's already a really good blocker, mm-hmm. you know, um, a good open field blocker. You know, I, I think he is what he is at this point. So it'd be interesting to talk to him about all the details of what went in the decision. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I think the feed, but the, the official feedback you get from the NFL is one of three grades: first round, second round, or you should go back. That, that's how okay. the NFL views it. Yeah. Um, but but players don't necessarily view it that way for the reasons I, I just mentioned. Yeah. All right. So uh, he has – this is interesting. I, I, so I went and looked up his stats from last year. I looked up all the receiving stats from last year. Because if you just, like, look at Dalton's uh, career statistics and compare them to James Mitchell and uh, Drake Dulius and Nick Gallo. Nick excuse, Gallo. excuse me if I say error. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, Drake and and, Eric and Nick don't have any catches. 
and and Mitchell's got you know twenty some I think and uh, but if you look at this past year Trey Turner thirty four catches Hazelton and Tavion Robinson had thirty one each James Mitchell and Dalton Keene each had twenty one catches mm-hmm. um, they they were very different in nature Mitchell averaged seventeen point two yards a catch and Dalton averaged eleven point four Mitchell had two touchdowns and Dalton had five so. Um, now, Dalton was invisible until they made the change at quarterback mm-hmm. this year. And uh, he caught three touchdowns in one game, right? Against Miami, right? Probably, yeah. yeah. I, I think that rings a bell. Uh, yeah. Parts of that season I've, I've buried already. But, uh, you know, so I don't I don't know that it's uh, – some of the talk I saw said that, oh, he those, sees those young guys coming up and he sees the changes in the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he was worried about diminished production. N- none of that at all. No, uh, Keen was going to play a huge role. Yeah. I mean, th- he and Mitchell, yeah, they're both listed as a tight end, but it's it's old school thinking to believe that oh, they're both traditional tight ends that do the exact same thing. Yeah, they're both very different not. players that are asked to do different things. They line up differently. M- Mitchell is – I'm not going to go so far and say he's a wide receiver. He's Bucky Hodges. He always lines up on the outside That's because that's not true. But he's more wide receiver-ish yeah, <laughs> than, yeah. than Dalton Keene is, whereas Keene is – he's somewhere between a tight end and the old, and the H-back role that Sam Rogers used to play. I think yeah. Keene technically is their H-back. They just use the H-back a little bit differently than they did when Rogers was was in Blacksburg. Uh, so so you're talking about two different positions. So it's hard – who will play the H-back role for Virginia Tech next year? <sighs> That's I, right. I don't know. Yeah, and, you know, the the 20 – well, I was going to say the 2020 recruiting class isn't fully signed, but I'm not sure that you can grab a guy in recruiting right now that you're going to play – play a significant no, role No, they, they, they grabbed the guy from uh, from France. Yeah, well, and that so thing. let's get into that. Um, so who does Virginia Tech have left on the roster at tight end? they got James Mitchell. Mm-hmm. They've got Drake Dulius, mm-hmm. who – Hasn't played – he's had a lot of injury problems, but – uh, and there was always there was always talk of him entering the portal because he's stuck behind three guys. Well, he's not behind three guys anymore. Yeah, here's your chance. So th- I think the spring coming up is big for him. It is. And you've got uh, Nick, Gallo Nick Gallo coming up, and and you 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 probably see Nick as more of a well, I don't know if you see him as an H back type, more traditional. I tight think end? he's a traditional tight end. Block. Um, I think he can put his hand in the ground and block, and I think he he can be a good receiver too. Yeah. You haven't necessarily seen it yet because he was the third tight end this year and and uh i think they threw the ball through it his way or they tried to throw it to him against uva i remember that uva had it all covered up yeah um but yeah i think he's going to be a good player for tech i I just don't know exactly what role he's going to play i don't know if if the offense will look different without dalton king it really will um uh, but at least it's not something like an injury situation that happens right before you start sure. playing. The You've got season. the entire off season to prepare for it. You got all of spring to experiment on some things, figure out what's best for you. Yeah. And they've got uh, a fourth scholarship tight end. It'll be, uh, I believe it's pronounced Wilfred Panay, mm-hmm. who signed in December out of France. Uh, we, I think, we see him as more of a developmental guy. Yeah, but, you know, you know, he was a definite red shirt with Dalton Keene yeah. here. Uh, I you still he's a guy I would still definitely prefer to redshirt. I think he's got uh, he's got good ability. I good think he's a good, good athlete. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's one of those things where he came over from France and he's been at a small prep school up at up in Connecticut and yeah. just not a lot of people know about him. I mean, 
uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't done much research on, on French tight ends recently, right? Uh, no, it's not on my daily reading it's list. It's not on my daily reading <laughs> list. Um, so, yeah, I think he flew under the radar. I think he's a good prospect, but I, don't, I think it's – I don't want to ask him to play as a true freshman. Yeah, so that, it, that, that's where it hurts in my – well, it, it hurts in a lot of ways, but yeah. It, well, you lose leadership. Yeah, yeah, so. and yeah. Dalton, in in a lot of the, a lot of ways, was somewhat the face of the program as far as how he approached off seasons. I mean, he embodied the hard, smart. Yeah, he's tough probably on mentality. the leadership council. I don't remember the list of players, yeah, but he's got to he, be one. Of he's them. a weight room warrior. Yeah, um, he sets the tone in that room. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult from that standpoint to lose him. Now that being said. You know, I can't say I blame him just just for, for the reasons we talked about earlier with how football players get hurt these days, how many of them get hurt, particularly at the NFL level. Yeah. You just don't have that many opportunities. And even if he's on a practice squad for a year, these days practice squad players, they can make over a hundred grand. Yeah. If football doesn't work out, he's going to have enough money to come back and, and get his degree. Yeah. So – Hopefully all of his calculations are correct and things work out for him and uh, we wish him luck in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, the other way to think about it is I, I guess he's got a tremendous amount of confidence in his abilities. Uh, if, if I wasn't that way, I would probably stay in college for a year because think about it. I mean, it's not a sure thing that Dalton Keene sticks in the NFL That's and right. makes it. He might have played his last competitive football game of his career now. Yeah. Like, even if he sticks around on a practice squad for a couple of years, practice squad players don't play. Yeah. They just practice. Yeah. So it's possible that he just played his last competitive football game. Well, at least he made a great catch, right? He sure did <laughs> with, with, with his bicep. <laughs> All right. Um, so that so so here's how it works. You got 21 and 22 starters coming back. Mm-hmm. Then Deshaun McLeese says, "No, I'm done." I'm, I'm, yeah. And Dalton Keene says, "I'm going pro." And you're already down to 19 right. out of 22. Right. You know, and, I said originally it would be 18 or 19. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So you're so already on the line. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next topic. Let's see. I wanted to talk about the transfer of Raheem Blackshear into uh, from Rutgers into yep. Virginia Tech. So uh, you're going to have going to have to take the lead on this one. So let me read a little bit first to kind of set the table. And you were the one who, who watched the film and wrote the article. So you did watch this film, correct? Yeah, I put it in our in our news and notes. Right. So he's five nine one ninety two. He redshirted last year after appearing last year of 2019 season. Last year in 2019 appeared in just four games uh, for Rutgers as a sophomore in 2018. Honorable mention All Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. Uh, ran for 586 yards on 143 carries with three touchdowns. And he also caught – I believe these are career numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. He's, how this, many? This, this was his sophomore year. Yeah. 143 carries, 586 yards, and three touchdowns. Yep. 44 catches, 367 yards, and two touchdowns lined up at both tailback and wide receiver. Yep. All right. And through the first four games of 2019, he was uh, catching it more than he was carrying it. He had 29 carries for 88 yards, but he caught 29 for 310 yards. Four games. Yeah. And had a 100-yard game against B.C. So all these transfer running backs Tech is bringing in, they had big games against B.C. last year. So seven catches, 55 yards against Michigan, and nine catches, 130 yards against Boston College. Mm -hmm. So for his career, 211 carries for 912 yards. Uh, That's four and a half yards a carry. 80 receptions for 810 yards, so kind of a possession guy, for a total of 12 touchdowns. He also has experience 
as a kickoff returner. So again, 5'9", 192. What'd you see on film and where do you see this going? I think Tech needs another slot receiver. Yeah. Uh, because right now, Tavion Robinson's the only guy. As little as Hezekiah Grimsley was playing at the end of the year. Yeah. And with so many rumors going around throughout the year about him wanting to get back close to his mom. Yeah. And he just wasn't playing this year. So the way I see it, Tech doesn't have another slot receiver, and now they do. Yeah. He's a guy you can line him up anywhere, basically. I see him in a jet jet sweep slot receiver role at Tech. That doesn't mean he won't line up in the backfield and get carries. That that, that That's the thing. You know, you, you can break the formation, and your personnel can be different. I mean, he's a guy who can line up in, in the slot. He's a guy who can line up at tailback. And opposing defensive coordinators – Maybe they don't know whether they should go with their nickel package or their traditional three or the more traditional three linebacker package or something right. like that. So football coaches love guys like him because it helps that offensive coordinator manipulate things because you don't know where he's going to line up. You don't know exactly how to approach things as a defensive coordinator. So that's the role I see him playing. Uh, I, I do think he will spend most of his time in the slot for Tech, but – I mean, I, I could be wrong. We'll have to see what happens with all the all the other running backs. That's going to be a lot of new faces in that running yeah, back room yeah. this year. But, but he's a he's a guy who I don't you don't necessarily want to look at stats too much because you remember you have Rutgers quarterbacks throwing him the ball and Rutgers players blocking for him. Oh, so the film I watched on him, it seemed like they were losing by three touchdowns. Oh yeah, every every bit of film I looked at. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So you, you don't want to judge him too much on that. I mean, I know Ryan Willis did not have the senior season he wanted to have and the people expected him to have. But his junior season, you wouldn't have thought that he was the guy that threw more interceptions and touchdowns at Kansas, right? Yeah. He was pretty good as a junior at Tech. So, so you, you can't nec- – don't, don't, don't say, oh, he played for Rutgers and he put up these numbers. Uh, I, I think he's a guy – I can certainly see that he's a fit um, and obviously, Jafar Williams was at Rutgers in 2017 as, as a wide receivers coach. So he probably coached him a little bit. I expect he was getting coached by not only the, the running backs coach, but also the, the wide receivers coach. And he's, and he's probably got his cell phone number in his cell phone. Absolutely. Yeah, well, so. J- Jerry, Jerry Kill was the offensive coordinator at Rutgers that yeah. year. So there's a lot of familiarity for, for, for Virginia Tech staff on this. Yeah, this is, and that's a point I forgot to make. Um, they know what they're getting. Absolutely. Yeah. They've told Justin Fuente what they're getting. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't have a chance to research this, but somebody said that in, let's see, what was the career numbers? 211 carries, 80 receptions. That's 291 touches. And somebody on the message board said they looked it up. Zero fumbles. Wow. 291. Now, what okay. I saw on film was I saw a guy who knows when contact is coming. He covers up. He really yeah, covers that yeah. football up. He, I saw a couple times where he was about to get tackled from behind, and it was like he just knew the guy was right behind yeah. him. And, and he just got the ball high and tight real quick. Yeah. yeah. And and he is physical going into contact. Mm-hmm. He, does, he doesn't wilt when contact comes. Right. And some players do that. When they, when they know they're about to be tackled, they lose their forward momentum. They're those guys that fall forward for extra yards and, and really make you tackle them. And I think he's one of those guys. Uh, I, you know, I don't see elite speed, but uh, if he had elite speed, he'd probably be playing somewhere other than Rutgers. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I did see a guy with, uh, you know, at his size, very shifty. Mm-hmm. At 192 pounds, he's, he's physical for for a short guy so i think it's a good pickup i think so um pretty good player i think and a good scheme fit 
for for how we yeah. like how we would use somebody like him, in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of that one. Just on paper, the, the headlines read: Virginia Tech adds Rutgers transfer running back. Woohoo! That's kind of <laughs> well. It's oh look, another running back. Uh, you know, right. and from Rutgers. But that's why I think I I might have I might have headlined ours. Virginia Tech adds wide receiver slash running back or running back slash receiver or something like that. I forget. Let me see what we got. I will, I will look I it think up. I, I, I at least phrased it that way in the, in the very first sentence. But, uh, yeah, this guy's so much more the, than a running back. I, I think it's one of those things that if, if you're a fan and you just read the headline, you're like, what? But if you actually read the article and, and, and watch his film and see how he's used, then you, you start to understand. Yeah, so your headline was Raheem Blackshear announces transfer to Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And the excerpt was Virginia Tech has added transfer running back slash, slash wide, wide receiver. Yeah. Now, what we don't know we don't know what his eligibility status is for next year um, um we, yeah we don't he did redshirt this past year as a true junior so he would be a redshirt or, junior at tech this coming year oh uh, uh, yeah and but you know he's assuming he fills out the right paper he's going to get immediate eligibility because coach coaching got fired. change yeah coaching yeah. change yeah, yeah. so <laughs> hopefully this, this one will work out for virginia tech yeah i hope so all right, so let's uh, let's talk. Uh, oh, so I, this was a last minute note that I added in as I was prepping. Uh, let's give a little bit of air time to the Virginia Tech cornerback coaching hire. Yes, uh, there are rumors making the rounds that they have their guy mm-hmm. finally mm-hmm. after two or three misses, probably three misses. Three. Uh, now, I, I only know for a fact they offered it to one person. Like I think a Green Bay, a, a Green Bay uh, assistant, yeah, um, um, whose name I forget. The the rest is uh, kind of kind of a little bit fuzzier. And for those wondering about Pearson Prelo, um, I, I think the way it played out with Pearson Prelo is that he was considered for it, and he and Fuente talked about it. Um, and what is being said is that Pearson did not want to. Uh, uh, didn't want to be a full-on position coach because of the recruiting that requires yeah. and the time on the road. And his son, PJ, I think PJ has one more year at Radford High School, mm. and I think they have other younger kids. Mm. This is a guy who played, what, 12 years in the NFL? Yeah. He doesn't need the pay raise from, no, what, from whatever he's not. doing now to a full-on no. assistant. And no. and I totally get that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do it if I had, a, had enough money and I didn't have to do it. There's no way I'd get out there and recruit. Yeah, you know, so he. I mean, I know where I know where Pearson lives. He lives on the outskirts of Radford. Uh, I th- I don't know if it's in the Radford city limits or technically in uh, Pulaski or Montgomery County, but um, uh, you know, he's close to work. Doesn't take him long to get to work. It's a great job. He doesn't have to recruit. You know, so he 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 may have been interested at first, but then then thought to himself, eh, you know what, I'll pass. Yeah, um, I think that was probably mutual. The, the way I can figure things is. Uh, is that Justin Fuente wants to get better at in-state recruiting. Yeah. The guy he offered the job to from the Packers is like a former William & Mary assistant, uh, played in the state of Virginia, grew up in Richmond, just tons of Virginia ties in yeah. recruiting. And who it looks like they're going to hire, Ryan Smith, who's a safeties coach at JMU right now, kind of the same deal. Played at Richmond, from Virginia, has coached uh, FCS ball in the state of Virginia, uh, lots of in-state ties. Yeah, I'm sure they talked to Lauren Johnson about it. At least talked to him about it, and that's obviously an in-state guy. So it just seems to me like of of all of those four guys, Prelo doesn't really fit because he's not an in-state guy. 
Yeah. Um, so from South Carolina, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, and, he, and it's not like he's lived in Virginia all that long, right? He played in the NFL for twelve or thirteen years, and has lived in Virginia ever since he retired. What was that? Maybe four or five years ago, something like that. And yeah. he's lived in Southwest Virginia, yeah, not like Richmond or Northern Virginia or the seven five seven. So he doesn't really make sense from that standpoint because all the the interest in. And the other defensive backs coach indicates that Fuente wanted this hire to improve in-state recruiting. I think that's the goal of I don't almost he all of the hires. Yeah, he and Tap. Tap. Um, I think he identified. I think he identified two different things. I, I think he wanted to get better at defensive line recruiting, and he wanted to get better at in-state recruiting when yeah. he went into this process. And everything else took a backseat to that. Well, and he also wanted, and, and this is the hiring of Tracy Clays, he also wanted a really experienced yes. uh, defensive coach to, yeah. to out mentor Justin Hamilton. I'm not sure how much mentoring of Hamilton Bud Foster is going to do. I don't think he's going to do much. Uh, uh, now, now that we know how the staff looks, the entire defensive staff is going to look, or most of it at least, you know, he's going to be there if, if Hamilton wants to. I mean, he's a phone call away. But, but when you, he's not you know, going to be sitting in on meetings. He doesn't need to. Yeah. I mean, you've got a longtime defensive coordinator in there in Clay's. You've got an NFL defensive line coach. Yeah. Um, you don't want too many chefs in there. We, we don't even know what the defense is going to look like. Yeah, and, and, and the stuff I'm hearing about uh, about Bud, um, and I'm, I'm putting thoughts in Bud's head. I haven't had a chance to talk to Bud myself. Um I think once Bud made the decision to retire, you know, when you make a decision like that, Sometimes you're just like, I'm I'm done. I didn't realize how done I was until I decided to retire and I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. so I, I don't I don't think he's gonna be standing on the sideline or up in the booth or in the meeting rooms. I don't think Yeah, that's what I thought that I thought he would have a help out have a fairly heavy role with helping Hamilton game plan on a weekly basis. But now that I've seen how the staff is shaken right. out, I just don't see that happening. And and what what we're hearing, and this comes from a very good source, is that they consider Bud to be a real asset in in a alumni and fan relations he can talk. and fundraising. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think I think that's where they really see Bud as being an asset and no longer in the so I think we beat that one to death and, and agree on that. Uh, so anyway, uh Supposedly, they have their guy, which means you might hear about it this week. As a matter of fact, you know, with our luck, we're doing the podcast and they're announcing it right, right. now. Right. So, Tierlink, when he got knocked, when the Bills got knocked out, that was on a, I think that was a Sunday game. Yeah, I don't recall. Um, and the hire happened three days after he got knocked out. That's how long the HR process took, I guess. Yeah. JMU lost on Saturday. So, assuming the HR process takes three days again, we. Well, they don't work on Sundays at Tech, obviously. So throw that. Out. So we're probably looking at midweek again, probably Wednesday. Yeah, uh, and, you know, and, I I don't know how the HR process works. Uh, maybe somebody else, somebody with a better idea, can chime in. But it's not it's not going to happen in probably in a day. But I'm I'm thinking Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at Twitter right now as we're talking. Oh, by the way, a podcast first. I put my feet up on the table. Yeah, no, I was just thinking that. But <laughs> maybe it'll happen a little quicker because he's already in state. So maybe that's part of yeah, that's yeah, that's true. True. So uh, so we'll see about that. So so that should be the news this week. So uh, um, let's take a little time out for a uh, sponsored promo for Jonathan Fisher and the Fisher Law Firm, and uh, 
We'll be right back in a minute. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 90. Let's go Hokies. So welcome back to the TSL podcast, and we're going to segue into talking Hokie hoops right now. Malcolm, how many minutes are we into the podcast? 36. 36, sounds about right. Um, so big week for Virginia Tech men's basketball. They go up to Syracuse, and, and they 12 minutes to go. They're down 40 to 31, and it's just not looking good. And they come back and they win that, 67-63, and we'll drill down into that in a second. And then they come home with what I would call a 50-50 game against NC State. The two teams going with identical records. Mm. Um, State comes in with with a team that is efficient offensively. And, you know, I was I was worried about that one. Sure. And, and Virginia Tech got down 10 nothing early, came back and took the lead. It was neck and neck. And then the Hokies pulled away towards the end with about five or six minutes left to go. And we'll get into that. But 50,000-foot view, you've got a team that is – 12 and 4 and 3 and 2 in the ACC. Mm-hmm. I don't want to gush, but uh I'm I'm pretty happy with where things oh, are right now. Oh, how could you not be? Yeah. I, I I think there were some people, maybe even myself included that weren't quite sure they'd win 12 all year. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a nine-man rotation that features six freshmen. Yeah. I mean, and a and a six and five a, and center a, and a total on well the freshman includes Tyrese Radford you know who I want to talk about because he he was big against NC State um, you and I sat here and when we did the podcast with Evan and we previewed the basketball season we were pumping the brakes pretty hard yeah and you know we took some criticism for it afterwards there's always that element of the fan base that thinks everything's great hope well, they were picked fourteenth right out of fifteen right teams. out of fifteen yeah. teams yeah and. And you and I were kind of managing expectations. Um, and one of the thoughts I'm having, and, and let me try to phrase this properly, is, and this is going to sound silly, but I'm really starting to think Mike Young is a heck of a coach. No, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, everybody knew he was a good coach mm-hmm. and he'd built a good program at Wofford, but. Um, it, and, and, and I guess we need more evidence to know for sure. But what I saw this past week was, and, and I don't understand the game of basketball well enough to be able to point out subtleties. But we do have a guy on our message boards. He goes by GC Hokey 34 who is a past college basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And he went into a very technical description of some stuff he saw against NC State that were new wrinkles offensively. Mm-hmm. That I think you remember there were two plays where Wabisa Beatty went down baseline and wound up dishing to Tyrese Radford for easy layups. That happened twice. And apparently, if you are a basketball coach, that is a wrinkle you're seeing in how Tech runs a certain formation that was new and mm-hmm. NC State was not prepared to defend it, just yeah. as an example. Um, when you go up to Syracuse, and Syracuse is, is one of the, weren't they one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country? Absolutely. The, the, they and NC State are kind of mirror images of each other from an offensive efficiency yeah. standpoint and, and a defensive efficiency standpoint. Both teams pretty darn good offensively, but not so good defensively. So let me, let me run some – let me read off some stats to you, okay? Um, 
so I've got a couple of paragraphs here. So uh, this goes into what we were talking about, about Virginia Tech's defense. So Syracuse shot 12 of 23 in the first half, over 50%, and they led um, 33 to 27 at halftime. Then they shot 11 of 30 in the second half. Mm-hmm. NC State was 22 of 69 overall. That combines for the last 99 shots that Virginia Tech's opponents have taken. They've only made 33. They're only shooting 33%. Um, From three, Syracuse was two of 10 in the second half. NC State was six of 30 for the game. So in the last three halves of basketball, Virginia Tech's opponents have shot 33% overall. Eight of 40, 20% from the three-point line in the last three halves of basketball. Mm at one point, if you go back to the UVA game where Virginia Tech got hammered in Charlottesville, VT, they were 4 of 25 from three-point range in that entire game. First, at one point against Syracuse, they were 5 of 25. And I tweeted out, that's nine of their last 50 three-pointers the Hokies have made. Um, after that at Syracuse, they went 5 of 11, and they started out 7 of 13 against NC State. So after going after making nine of fifty, they made twelve of twenty four. They went through a stretch where they made twelve of twenty four, and it it looked like a week where they'd lost at UVA. They were gonna lose at Syracuse, and if you're projecting down the road, they might lose to NC State. Instead, they come out of this two and one. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed after the UVA game when I read our message boards and our fans were freaking out over one basketball game. Yeah. I mean, there were there was a lot of criticism of the team after that game. And yeah. I'm just like, it's one basketball game. Yeah. You're going to play 30, 32 of them. And you're going to say this every year. I mean, people still do it. I don't understand why people get way up here after a big win and way down here after a loss. It's so here, basketball. So we talk about this all the time. And I just, here's a different way to think about it. Um, when you're watching a football game and the, the team has a bad quarter, maybe they string together two, three and outs mm-hmm. and they just look bad. It's just one quarter. Right. That is the magnitude of a basketball, of an entire basketball game in a season. Let them have one bad game, particularly when they're so overloaded with freshmen. Yeah, right. Um, so, like, I thought people when they beat Michigan State, I thought they people overreacted positively. I don't think they realized that how good Dayton and and BYU were at that yeah, stage Dayton rel- relative to Michigan. Did you see what Michigan State lost by like thirty this past week Purdue, to unranked Purdue? They're they're, they're still, not they're good, but they're not elite there's right? something's yeah. not right there so, yeah for sure and it might be right by the end of the year yeah it probably will be but it's not now and it hasn't been yeah. but i also i thought they react or i thought fans reacted too negatively against with the uva loss i mean did they not remember that the last year's team also lost by 25 or whatever at uva but the disappointing thing about the uva game to me is that tech didn't play defense yeah uva is a bad offensive basketball team bad yes, they are and everybody made Everybody talked about Tech's 39-point offensive performance. Well, you know, UVA had held Syracuse to 34 and Carolina to 47. I mean, that's still number one in the country in defensive efficiency last time I checked. Yeah. Um, What was disappointing was the way the Tech folded down the stretch and just allowed a lot of easy shots around the basket and just checked out. Yeah. it's a big, then. big step forward against Syracuse and NC State as far as that goes. They got down by double digits in the first half against Syracuse, 
strung together a couple good possessions and yeah, cut it was it. thirty to nineteen. Cut it, yeah, and they closed it to thirty three twenty seven at the half. Exactly. And that, that was a critical stretch. It was a critical stretch, and then they were they were down by nine in the second half, and, and they weren't making anything. They only scored two points the first seven minutes of the second half. Yeah, so that forty to that forty to thirty one with about twelve minutes left to go in that game, and then tell me what happened. Tell me the play that happened next. Jalen Cohn comes in, mm-hmm. makes a three, makes, gets right. fouled. Gets fouled, right. And that he makes did that it, twice in about two or three minutes. Yeah, it, it, was, it was very – so it was 40 to 31. Next thing you know, Tech is up 54 to 46. Right. That is a 23 to 6 run in the span of six minutes. Right. And it's not necessarily the shooting part. Uh, yes, that was a huge factor, of course. you got to start making some shots at some point. It's a fact that when they faced adversity and looked like they were going to lose, they kept playing hard and kept playing defense. When they got down by double digits against UVA and against BYU and against Dayton, they folded every single time. Yeah. They lost their composure. They didn't stay in the game mentally. And they turned 10, 12-point deficits into 25-point losses. Yeah. Um, they stayed in the – the same thing could have happened against Syracuse. If yeah. They, if, if they had checked out and quit playing hard on defense, Cause, cause Syracuse it, would have done the same thing to them. Yeah, it's really hard to score against Syracuse. It, yeah, you know, right. And, Especially when you're six freshmen and you've never faced that two-three matchup zone before. Yeah. Uh, you the same thing kind of happened against NC State. Obviously, it happened earlier. Ten nothing, three minutes into the game. Not ideal, but you know you got 37 minutes left. And then Nolly throws up his crazy three. So see, I missed it. Uh, uh, well, so yeah, you, you were out getting food or something. Well, okay, like that. so so. Uh, Tech didn't order enough food for the media. I get there 45 minutes before tip, and they've already run out of food. Uh, and I've been covering this this team for seven years now, and that's never happened before. So they run out of food. So they have to order more food, and they say, okay, we're, we're going to bring it down. We'll have it down in the media room downstairs. So after the first media – or when Mike Young calls that timeout, it's 10 nothing NC State. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go downstairs and check and see if the food's here yet. So I go all the way down there. Of course, it's – it's it's not there, and I get and I get back and I'm like, you know what? I'm really really hungry because I didn't I didn't eat that day because I, yeah, I was anticipating you you eating lunch. Get... So here we are. It's like two fifteen and I'm starving. So I just ordered. I just got concession stand Heathwood Market food. Of course, as soon as I finished that off, the free food arrived. And right. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, so I get back with my food, and it's thirteen to ten Virginia Tech. So like I watched the ten nothing run and then I missed the entire thirteen to nothing response run by Virginia Tech. Yeah, and I, if I remember so correctly, I don't remember that, any of that. that. That was triggered mostly by Nolly. Nolly hit two three pointers in a row. Oh, he just had one of those games where. So I took a, a friend of mine, friend who lives out in my neighborhood. He's an NC State fan, and uh, I took him to the game. And on the way, I said, uh, "said number two is Virginia Tech's leading scorer. He's he's been." Kind of cold lately, but we'll see what he does. I said, the guy you want to watch is number 23. He's one, just a phenomenal rebounder. Of course, I'm talking about Tyrese Radford. And so Nolly gets things going. Um, then it becomes this back-and-forth affair, uh, nip and tuck, where, where neither – well, Virginia Tech at that point held the lead for most of the time. They can't seem to get it beyond six or seven points, you know. So they go into halftime, and I, I don't remember the halftime score. It was 40-33, I think. Sounds right. That's a pretty good half of basketball for Virginia Tech, 40 points. Well, you, well, you consider they were down 10 nothing. Yeah, so 40 points in 17 minutes, that'll work. Yeah. 
Um, so then they come out of the half, and and NC State is just shooting poorly, and Virginia Tech has a chance. Both teams are shooting poorly. Yes, yeah. and Virginia Tech did not take their opportunity. But but where it really started to work for Tech was when Tyrese Radford went to work and started getting rebounds and getting buckets, and that got things going. Um, yeah, you know, she was eight of eleven from the field. I think he's. He's he's really high in the country in shooting percentage. Somebody really? said he's seventeenth in the country in shooting percentage at sixty six percent or something. Surprise like that. is not higher. It's because he knows who he is. He hey, doesn't, he doesn't hey, take a shot unless it's from right there. So he be, he was eight of eleven, and I'm sitting there going, uh, "Which three did he miss? I don't remember him missing." Remember, I think three the shots. big the, I think the big guy blocked one. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And then, and then right. another one he had to shoot it over him, which is then guy, he probably got his own rebound. Right, that <laughs> guy averages three point two blocks per game, so he's yeah. tough to shoot over, yeah. but. Uh, Sometimes I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before or not, but I've I've actually had started thinking this way recently. Sometimes knowing your own weaknesses and your own limitations can be a strength. Yeah, because you know what you're like. Okay, I I can't shoot the three pointer. Not I'm not going to hurt my team. I'm not going to do anything trying. crazy. I'm only going to take shots that I can make. And and Beatty's the same way. Beatty passed up a layup right, to hit Naheem yeah, Ali. Yeah, no kidding. In the corner. Um. So, yeah, I, I think Radford's the type that understands who he is. And because he understands who he is. Malcolm's uh, laptop just died. That's why he lost the uh, TSL okay. podcast logo. Um, I got you. Um, where was I? Because he knows who he is, he's comfortable in his own skin. That makes him a more effective player. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure. Not, not everybody is necessarily accepts who they are as uh, players. Yeah. Uh, you see sometimes guys taking shots that they have no business taking. Well, I think Nolly forces forces some things. And that, yeah, that but the thing is, he can high. make them. He can make any of them. Well, I, I'm talking about plays in general, not shots. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah he can yeah. make the shots. I got no problem with the yeah, shots. Yeah, but. Nolly's still figuring out in his head, okay, it's 15 seconds left in the shot clock, and I've got an above-average look. Do I take it or – do we try to get a good to great look over these last 15 seconds? But then when it gets hot, he just puts it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, so, and sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's, it's not good. So, um, uh, let's see, let's see if I, I do not believe I took this note. Oh, here we are. How about this stat from the NC state game? Tech won by 14 points, a lean horn, uh, Naheem Aline, PJ horn, uh, Wabisa Beatty, Hunter Couture, and Isaiah Wilkins. Those five players combined to go three of 21 <laughs> from the field. Yeah. And Virginia Tech won by 14 points. Yep. Um, and one of the – so one of the things I wanted to talk about is those guys I just listed, Aline has scored over 20 twice, right? Yeah, he's had, he's had a rough couple weeks ever since that 22-point game. Yeah. Um, P.J. Horn, we know, can put the ball in the bucket. Wabisa Beatty's not a scorer. He's a facilitator. Hunter Couture's had good shooting games. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Wilkins can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I, one of the things I really like about this team, and one of the things I've started to think about lately, is um, I'm, it's that time of year where I'm starting to pay more attention to ACC basketball. And there are a lot of ACC schools out there that have injury problems. They don't have depth. Well, the uh, ACC is not good. Let's go ahead and say it. It's bad. It it is bad. Yeah. I was going to say you 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 mispronounced. It's bad, <laughs> and it's actually very concerning to me because um uh, I looked something up the other day, and put it up on the message boards. The ACC won the first ten. Yeah, I saw ACC post. Big Ten challenges in the last eleven, if I remember correctly. I know the Big Ten has won six of them. The ACC has won three. 
yeah. they've tied two. The ACC's won three out of the last 11 ACC Big Ten challenges. All they could do last year when the ACC was so good was tie it. It right. was tied at seven. Right. And that's a year when the ACC had three number and, one seeds. And in honestly, the that was Tech's fault. Tech lost to Penn State. Tech never should have lost to Penn State. Okay, so I'll take personal responsibility for losing the ACC. <laughs> it's Big our Ten fault, guys. Uh, Virginia Tech had nothing to do with it this year because they didn't play they didn't it. Play As it. a matter of fact, they beat Michigan State when they yeah, had right. <laughs> Yeah. So, so this, I, I don't know, man. I'm not the 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 uh, revenue disparity is starting to manifest itself in this conference. When when the ACC first started expanding in the early 2000s. They were right up there. I think they were the number one conference. In well, terms Penn of State's revenue. arguably got a better arena than anybody in the ACC. Right, Penn State. So since then, you you've seen uh, the SEC and the Big Ten launch networks and just really learn how to leverage their advantages in terms of living on alumni, larger schools, sure. all that stuff. And you know the the revenue disparity, in my opinion, is really starting to take hold. You're seeing the SEC hire a lot of good basketball coaches. And try to make a run at the ACC. The Big Ten is has arguably they've proven it on the court right. for eleven years now that sure. they're better. Uh, have they won as many championships? Probably not. But head to head, they're better. The the ACC knew how to game the RPI. Well, excuse me, every ACC school except for Virginia, except Tech, Virginia Tech knew how to game the RPI. So the ACC generally stayed ahead in like the RPI ratings and things yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, the the Big Ten has if they haven't passed the ACC, they've obviously closed the gap quite a bit. Yeah. Maybe even the SEC has to a certain extent. I think that I think the ACC's had some bad coaching hires too. Maybe this goes into the money thing. Maybe it doesn't. I thought Josh Pastor was a horrible hire for Georgia Tech yeah. at the time. Uh, I was there yeah, on Danny Manning. He turned out to be a bad hire. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much that has to do with money or not, without knowing those schools' budgets or anything off yeah. the top of my head. Um, well, I, I mean, I'll. I'll for for whatever Georgia Tech paid Josh Pastner, Virginia Tech got Mike Young for two million. You got to think he would have said yes to Georgia Tech four years ago if nah. they'd come to him instead of Josh Pastner. I mean that was a terrible hire in my opinion. Um, so uh, it's it's just it's disappointing, but at the same time, this is an ideal year for the ACC to be down from Virginia Tech's perspective because Virginia yeah. Tech's putting six freshmen on the court. I'm I'm interested, very interested to see the new net rankings when they come out today or this week or or whatever. Thirty six. Are you serious? Thirty six. Okay, Tech was Virginia Tech is thirty six in the net. They were forty ninth last week, and they were the fourth highest ranked ACC team. Uh, they were one of only four teams in the top. 50. I think UVA's dropped down the sixties or seventies. Oh, they were in the sixties this past week. It wouldn't shock. And then me they either. lost a home game. To well, they Syracuse. lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to a to a Syracuse team is basically five hundred. Right. Well, they lost. They lost two. They lost to Boston College and Boston College on the road and and, and Syracuse and they had beaten Syracuse forty eight to thirty four in the opening uh, game of the season in the Carrier Dome earlier this yeah. year, which some of these results are kind of showing you don't know what's going to happen on a game to game basis. So right. keep this in mind. Like Virginia loses at home to Syracuse and they had beaten Syracuse by fourteen on the road earlier this year. Boston College beats UVA and then they turn around and get bombed by Georgia Tech by twenty. Yeah. So, so it's going to be all over the place. Yeah, like like Tech might lose to Wake Forest tomorrow night. Yeah, and, so and, so Tech's next five games, or if if you, I believe it's the next five. If you look at them, you're like, oh, they could win that one. They could, they could win all of them. Sure, they're not going to. Right. 
Um, I don't want to see a one and four, zero and five disaster. Right. But yeah, anything can happen. So, so Wake Forest is not a good team. They're not a good team, but they've they've beaten beaten NC State. Um, they've got capable players. They're not capably coached, but yeah. you saw like even like when back in the bad days of Virginia Tech basketball, like Ricky Stokes when they'd win, they'd go four and twelve in the Big East every year. They'd still rise up and beat UConn. Right. Also, I'm pound UConn one time oh, by like twenty by points. twenty or twenty five points yeah. in Castle, and yeah. you know UConn obviously was a much much better basketball team, but yeah. Tech hammered them, and, and they had a few games like 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 that back then where they Villanova with Jay Wright. I mean, I remember yeah. them hammering Villanova one time right. in Castle. So that that's just the way the the sport is to a certain extent. Yeah. Um. So. So keep that in mind. We tell people to do that every every year. And they still do it, so I don't know why I still bother just, to say just it. Just playing with house money at this point, you know, <laughs> yeah, twelve and four, are. three and two. Um, I, so, I did. So I did thirty sixth. Tech would be in the NSA tournament if if if, if it's started if, if things broke properly. If, well, if, if enough of the small conference teams won their tournaments and things like that. Yeah, but thirty sixth. Now we've only had one year of the net, so you can't really do a huge study yeah. of it and say, "Oh, who's the highest ranked net team to be left out of the field?" But Near as I can tell, man, the NSA committee is they're basically they're they're, they're really using the the net more than anything. Wow. Like they don't necessarily look at strength of schedule anymore. It's it's there, it's a factor, but the net rankings their strength of schedule is part of that. So right. you don't want to count it twice. Like like the net also uh, I think uses some like Ken Pomeroy, all these advanced metrics that all have strength of schedules factoring in. Yeah. So you don't want to have strength of schedule as its own big separate category when it's so, already so factored don't, in. Don't get, hung, don't get hung up on that. No, yeah, strength of schedule, it doesn't matter who you play anymore. It matters who you beat. Right. Yep, and that's the way it should it, be. It, it, like, like Virginia Tech important. was always penalized for playing Maryland Eastern Shore, but now that because Virginia Tech beat Michigan State, the committee will say well, it doesn't matter that Tech played Maryland Eastern Shore because they showed they could beat Michigan State. Well, and they divide these things up in the four quadrants, mm-hmm. and and as long as you get down into Q three and Q four, and you don't have any losses. Yeah. Um, now, the one thing that tech, ideally, you need to get another quadrant one win or two. And that's the, the so to bring the conversation right. back around. That's the problem with the ACC <laughs> being Sy- so Syracuse bad. and NC State are just going to be quadrant two most likely, right, unless right. Syracuse goes on a big run, since that's a road game. I think a quadrant one win on the road is against a top seventy five team. Right. But a home quadrant one win, I think, is against a top thirty-five team, yeah, which NC State is not. Yeah. Um, so I, I think so. Let, let's let's sum this up, and then we'll move on to questions from from Facebook Live. Hopefully, you guys have been putting stuff in. Um, I just uh, I, I I'm I'm actually so here's where I am. Here's how far I've come. I'm looking at Mike Young, and I'm like, man, that guy's such a good coach. I, I wish they'd gotten him when he was younger. Sure. Like, uh, well, he he made he made a comment sometime between now and when he was hired, and I, I don't know what year he was talking about, but he said, "I don't know if I was ready for it then." Yeah, yeah, and that's a good point. He he he's this is definitely the right time in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and can and, you imagine being <clears throat> like he took the job when he was fifty? You're fifty five, right? Fifty five. Okay, fifty five. So when he's so just imagine signing a piece of paper tomorrow 
and you just started making 10 times more money overnight. Yeah. Because that's what he did this past March. He signed a contract with Virginia Tech at the age at the age of 55, his salary increases by 10. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's, that's insane. I fully expect that to happen to me this year. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I really like where the program is. Next game is at Wake Forest, 9 o'clock Wednesday night. And then Syracuse at home, which I really want to win. On because, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, four years in the Big East and Syracuse never played at Virginia Tech. Now, Syracuse, I, I watched that the end of that game against UVA. They were, you know, they, that was that was a rock fight. And then in oh, overtime, yeah. Syracuse just went off. They went up three tw- straight three pointers. They scored 20 points in overtime. Ooh, good at, gracious. At, somebody, somebody put it on the message boards that, uh, um, that, uh, Syracuse in the last four halves against halves against UVA had scored basically 18 to 20 points. Then they scored 20 points at five minutes of overtime. Yeah, uh, that's so. One, one more thing I want to get out there because it just went through my mind. I did want to talk about this today, even though we're getting kind of late in the podcast. Uh, again, I didn't get a chance to research this. Someone on the message board said, and the announcers said this on the game, the NC State game. Virginia Tech is number one in the country in fewest turnovers. Uh, I looked it up on Cam Pomeroy yesterday uh, or the day before. No, I think I looked it up after the NC State game. So it, it had taken the NC State game and factored it in. Tech was fourth in turnover efficient or turnover percentage in wow. the country. Uh, and now, that, in sheer number of turnovers, yeah, they, I, may, they may be number Turnover one. efficiency is turnovers per possession and, and stuff. Right. So, yeah, because some teams have – they they're, play at a slow tempo, more, right? Tech's yeah. not playing at a fast tempo. Tech's like 220th in tempo. Yeah. But you can't really tell it because Tech passes a lot. Yeah. But they are generally taking, you know, 20 seconds off the shot clock, at, le- at least during a possession. So, so, so their tempo rating is low, but they're passing it a lot, which, which, makes, it, which makes it an entertaining brand of basketball. It's, a, it's impressive considering he asked them to move a lot and he asked them to pass the ball a lot and it's a bunch of freshmen that have never played together before and there's a lot of moving parts and yet they're still not turning the basketball over. so how good of a coach is that guy right and of course he's got one of the best in the country in assist to turnover ratio with would be with with bd it starts with that but the other guys are part of this too yeah absolutely um Honestly, if they're not, if they're fourth right now. They would be first. Like like Nolly is is one of those guys who he's either on or off. I, I was going to say so they're number one in the in the, in the country of turnovers, and that's with Landers Nolly getting right. major minutes exactly because he does tend to turn he does, it he over does a turn lot. it over yeah. a lot. Um, he'll grow out of that yeah. eventually. Um, yeah. He's just got to learn how to let the game. He's got to learn that there's other good players on the team, too. And I think he's figured that. I think he's done a better job of that the last two games. The beginning of the season, it kind of did seem like he needed to score 30 points every time he went out there. But now you're seeing Jalen Cohn, since he's playing the two guard, his natural position. Right. You see, he's growing into it. Um, Couture hadn't had a great shooting night the last two games, but you know he's capable. He's capable of scoring double he's figures next, anytime. Man. He, he's going to pop some threes here soon. You know Naheem Aline is capable because he's done yeah. it before. He, uh, yeah, Isaiah Wilkins can can get hot. So th- there's plenty of guys on this team. Th- there's enough good players on this team where one or two of them can have an off night and they still win. And those are your best teams w- when you're not relying on one player to score 25 points in a night. And and that's why, honestly, I mean, that's why, obviously, it goes without saying that the more good players you have, the better. But the more scores you have, especially, means a couple of those guys can have off nights. I mean, exactly you, what you, I was talking about earlier. Yeah, you, you look at that lineup Tech put on the court last year. 
anybody they put out there could score 20 points yeah. on any given night just about. That, 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 that makes uh, – the players can be inconsistent, but your results can be consistent Ex- exactly. because different guys are stepping forward yep. different nights. Uh, so one one last comment, and, and we don't really need to go into this, but one of the things I like about this team is that they look relaxed. They look like they're having fun. Mm-hmm. You know, Naheem Ali was 0 of 5. Wabisa Beattie passes up a layup, hits him out on the perimeter, and Beattie – immediately holds up the three sign as he's running by Aline and Aline pops the three. Yeah. And that was the dagger. That was one that made it 66 to, to 52 and put the game out of reach. Yeah. And the, the other thing I really like about this team is that they've got a couple of guys who they don't, they don't need to score to be effective. Uh, I'm really thinking of three guys. Couture, because of his floor burns, that dude's on the floor a lot. And he, he slapped the ball out of hands three times. Yeah, exactly. No fouls. Uh, yep. Beatty, doesn't have to score to be effective yeah. because he's he's very, very good assist. He doesn't turn the ball over very much. Uh, generally a pretty good defender outside of the UVA game. And Radford. Radford rebounds so well and plays defense so well that he didn't have to score to be a good player. So when he does score 18, that's an MVP performance. Yeah. Or yeah. it would be if Landers Nolly didn't exist. Yeah. So, good stuff. Uh, we will uh, throw it over to Facebook Live now. Malcolm, we got m- much participation today. <clears throat> yeah, we've always got plenty of people. Uh, we'll start with Dale Kaiser. He asked this last week. We didn't get questions. So <clears throat> he says, with our Nike deal being close to ending, do you see us changing or making is, is Nike it close? actually give us better products or uniforms? This it is is, it's not as close as you think. Wow. Uh, I studied the heck out of this. I don't know. It's been three or four years ago now. And, and Virginia Tech's deal uh, – the information I had at the time that was that the deal expired at the end of, in the middle of 2022, yes. at the end of the 21-22 academic year. I got a piece of information after that that it had been extended another year through 2023. So you're looking at three more years. Um, mm-hmm. I I think one of the points, and I, I don't even want to get into that, because at the time I studied it years ago, it was the fifth worst deal in the country. And the four that were worst were all renewing Rutgers. within a year or two. Yeah. Right. So it's so, probably the worst now. So it's it's the worst in the country, you know, and, and I don't – we could actually dedicate a whole show to it, that. It's, it's unfortunate that that never came up for renewal when Buzz was the basketball coach because that's yeah. that's a brand to sell. You know, Buzz is a Nike guy. Just having Buzz Williams as basketball coach, a big name like that, that adds value in and of itself. Yeah. So um, I think what Dale is getting at is he's he's probably saying that the uniforms have gotten kind of stale, and and I agree with that. Um, I don't see where the basketball uniforms have changed much at all in years. Uh, yeah, there's no Clark Rule and needs to get on that. The bas- what doing doing different Virginia Tech basketball uniform combination through the years? Come on, oh, Clark. holy cow! <laughs> Clark, no, I, I will say this: uh, one of my favorite possessions is. The first time Virginia Tech ever wore black jerseys for a basketball game was during the 2003-2004 season, yeah. the game at Pittsburgh. And I, and Zabian Dowdell was a freshman that year. That Him and Coleman and yeah. Javon were all freshmen. I've got Zabian's jersey from that game. No kidding. From the 2003-2004 season. Well, you need to bring that in. We need to hang it yeah, up. Yeah, I guess I do, don't I? We do, we do need to shift uh, some of the some of the stuff on the set around. Um, anyway, Dale, I, I got no good news for you, man. You know, it, it's <laughs> – uh, we're, we're from the time I did the article to the expiration of the contract. We're only about halfway there. I remember, you know, I remember thinking we got six years of this. Virginia Tech's financial situation, you know, I guess probably being bottom half of the Power Five in terms of revenue. 
partially created by lack of vision on an ACC network, but partially Virginia Tech created as well yeah. for deals like like the Nike contract. Yeah, and, and uh, well, that, again, that's the subject of a whole other podcast. So what else you got, Malcolm? <clears throat> Are you on uh, the couch, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right, let's look at the couch. <laughs> uh, Ryan Haynes asks, where do you think VT stands in a very muddled ACC? And that's yeah. talking about football. Oh, football? Football. Yeah, he asked that way back when we were doing the, the Keen discussion. Uh, I think, um, I, I think let's talk coastal. And we were talking about this on the boards the other day. I'm 99% sure you're going to see UNC pick to win the coastal next year. It'll be either, either be UNC or Tech. I think Tech is the third best program in the ACC right now. Or, or no, probably second best program. In the, I think since since Fuente got here, since all that round of coaching changes that year, Virginia Tech has the second best record in the ACC. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because because we all remember that 2018 was was rough. was bad, but that's how it is these days. If you're not one of the blue bloods, you don't have, there's not consistency behind those teams. Yeah. That's just, you know, there's not much parity in terms of talent anymore. They they all go to those top four schools, the, the truly elite players for the most part. So it's makes it tougher to be consistent after that, in my opinion. So I, I, I think tech can get better. They are, they're obviously trying to with these with these coaching changes. I yeah. mean, I mean, Fuente's not happy. I think he's well, he's happy without being content, which that's okay. That guy's driven. Yeah, he's very very driven. So I I think Tech and UNC right now would be the ones that are most keep, poised. Keep keep an eye on Georgia Tech because they're recruiting well. Right. You know, they got I think they got some good momentum in their program. But, right. And you're but you're still talking like another two years before yes. I think they can uh, really threaten. But as as far as the immediate future, the thing about UNC is they got the marquee quarterback, phenomenal quarterback. Mm-hmm. They've been recruiting really well, which the the media that make these predictions they're not really going to factor the recruiting in, it particularly yet. But uh, one thing they will factor in is they love them some Mac Brown. He's very media friendly. Absolutely. A lot of them worked with him. You know, mm-hmm. when he wasn't coaching, he was in media. So he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And, and another thing that this, this discussion triggers in me is somebody asked, is the spring game going to be televised next year? And, and my first answer was, you know who's our coach, right? And then I got to thinking about it. The ACC network exists now. Mm-hmm. And – now the ACC has not shown a any particular uh, uh, ability to run this football conference properly, <laughs> but yeah. one would think that part of the ACC network being around would be okay. All fifteen of UACC schools, well, not Notre Dame, all fourteen of UACC football schools, your uh, spring game will be televised this year, and we will run them on an endless loop for three weeks after they occur. Well, see, my view on that is the direct opposite of everybody else's. I don't think the spring game should be televised hmm. for recruiting purposes. Yeah, because you said it, people, it's our biggest recruiting event of the year. People but, will but, stay but because, home because we have the one of the best fan bases in the country in terms of people showing up to a spring game. Right, and. That's actually drop started to drop a little bit as the ACC as the spring game got it started getting televised and things like that. I know if I lived in Virginia Beach, I wouldn't go to the spring game if it was on TV. Yeah. No, why? Well, it could it could hurt uh, attendance some, but then again, it's the ACC network, which not everybody gets. That's true. So yeah, uh, we'll take one. Malcolm, how many minutes in are we right now? Uh, a lot. Seventy. Yikes. Okay, we got time for one more question. One. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. 
<laughs> well, you know, we need, uh, and I say this all the time, and and maybe, and this will help me because then I don't have to prepare, maybe Thursday we do another podcast and we just, just open it wide up, like yeah. we've been saying we wanted to do. Not a bad idea. Uh, here's a pretty open one. Uh, Derek Moss asks, breakout players in football next season on your opinion? Breakout players is interesting because there's so many returning starters that there are just not that many open spots for breakout player candidates. Yeah. Uh, my first thought goes to Tellback, where McLeese is leaving. Khalil, so you got Kilo Herbert coming in. Yeah. Taz um, Gary. Uh, right. You've got, obviously, Blackshear, who we just talked about, as a running back slash receiver. Yeah. You don't know exactly what his role is going to be yet. Um, Holston coming back off a broken leg, although he's been hurt so much in his career, you don't hold out yeah. much hope, although I'd, I'd love to see it. But he's very keen-like in his preparation and, and things like that. Ah, my personal feeling is that Khalil Herbert is is the guy most likely to break out the the Kansas right. transfer. Let's see who. So I'm going to throw some candidates out there. Um, one one that doesn't uh, quickly come to mind is uh, Braxton Burmeister. What if what if Burmeister really <laughs> is clearly if he's a starting quarterback, he'll have a breakout year, right? <laughs> eh, you know. It, yeah, again, we, we I don't want to, we're at the end of the podcast, so we could drill down into that in some depth. I agree with the guys you mentioned. I don't really think that there are any breakout candidates in the wide receiver core. Um, well, uh, Blackshear, if he plays wide true, receiver, true. Um, uh, we don't. We'd always heard Hazelton was was probably going to leave, but he hasn't made an announcement yet. So yeah. the longer it goes on, the better that is. But if he leaves, then that's an open spot. So, so by default. There, yeah. there's a breakout player there. Well, uh, the the other guy that comes to mind is is Amari Barno. If he yes, plays exactly. defensive end, I was going to mention. We don't Barno. know what t- exactly what Tech's scheme is going to be. I, I I know. Let's just say the linebacker positions don't change at all. He can't continue to go the rest of his career as a third string backer. He's too good of an athlete. Do something with him. Yeah, uh, you got. I, I would love to see him at defensive end. Uh, if they go back to the end stud scheme whereas the end is a short side defensive end and the stud is a wide side defensive defensive end i would love to see that guy at stud and have him give him all that space to run um so i I think he's a possibility in the right spot in the right position to be a breakout guy on the defensive side of the ball i agree with that that's who i was going to mention um on the d line i don't know i would love to see Jaden cunningham uh uh breakout um you know, yeah, and which one of those guys does he take playing time from if he does? Because those top four defensive tackles are well, exactly. Good. Yeah, you know, and and yeah, well, a year or two after we were panicking about the defensive tackle <laughs> position, I feel pretty good about yeah. it. Yeah, but part of that is that you know they tacked on Kendricks and Pollard very late in the recruiting process, and both of those guys have been pretty good. Well, and, they they were they were summer guys, and, and Deshaun, they were early targets. Were they really? Yeah. Well, they were early targets. I wasn't really dialed into them though. Right. They didn't commit till late. Um, uh, did they not? I think they committed late. Okay. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to correct me, uh, a guy that I, I really was pleasantly surprised by was Deshaun Crawford, um, and he was voted best defensive lineman by his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a shame he was dinged up like what seemed like the last half of the season. Yeah, but we're not talking about guys who are surprises that we liked. We're talking about breakouts. So we got Barno, um, somebody at the running back position. Um, Somebody's going to have to step up at safety. You could say Devin Hunter. 
Well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, and I don't think you can really call Brock Hoffman a, a breakout player because, you know, the, the offensive line is a little bit more subtle, and I think everybody's expecting a lot out of him anyway. Yeah, they are. Uh, <clears throat> for all I know, he's the best interior lineman since Wyatt Teller. Yeah. But so, we don't know that yet. Um, because If of, he does something like win the Remington, okay, I'll call him the breakout player. <laughs> yeah. right, right. But Tech doesn't get that kind of uh, attention. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not these yeah. days, at least. But uh, – I don't know what I expect from him. It wouldn't shock me at all if he came out and was Virginia Tech's best center. In fact, I kind of do expect that. Yes. And I would think Hudson would move to guard. Yep. Um, but but other than that, you know, I don't know if he's dominant or not. I know he's a weight room warrior, and he's really, really, really strong. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, though, for a guy who's never played at this level. Well, and he see, he seems to be regarded by his teammates as very, a Very highly, so, absolutely. Uh, with, with Dalton Keene exiting – Stage left. That's a loss of some leadership. So yes. he, he can be a guy that can step up offensively. So appreciate the question. Good question. Um, and, you know, thanks to everybody for listening and checking out the TSL podcast. And, um, oh, you know what? I've scheduled things in the morning. So if we do a podcast Thursday. No, let's not do it Wednesday. Because uh, we have a 9 o'clock game on Tuesday night. I thought that was Wednesday night. That's Tuesday. Hmm. All right. Let me let me look that up while I'm talking. Um, so if if we do uh, open one wide open uh, on I Thursday, I hope it's Tuesday because I wrote Tuesday and it will be right. later in the day. All right. So let's see. Uh, um, at Wake Tuesday. I got the yep. idea. It was Wednesday. I was looking. I'm thinking about the UNC game the following week. That okay. is Wednesday. So cool. Tech plays tomorrow night. That's excellent. So if we open something up on Thursday, it'll be a little bit later in the day because I got a thing I got to do in the morning. Um, actually, I put something in the morning every morning this week. So, uh, but look for that. I, I think we'll kind of make the decision to do that, and I think that'll be a lot of fun. We'll throw it out there as just a Q and A the whole time. That yeah, fun to me. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll see you on the next Tech Sideline podcast.